So welcome, Stuart, to uh, Wokingham Digital Arts Festival. How are you doing? Hey, I'm not bad. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. Thanks for your time. That's all right. It's a pleasure. Having a nice weekend so far? It's been a quiet one. It's been a quiet one. I bumped into some people on Friday night, some, some rowdy lot in Wokingham Town Centre. Uh, but other than that, no, it's been, uh, it's been good. It's been just watching TV, basically, and, and a bit of work. What about yourself? That's all we're doing at the moment, isn't it? Um, no, it's been nice. I had, uh, I had parents visiting, so that was nice because they live in Cornwall. So it's actually quite hard oh, to nice. see them. So they had yeah. a bit of a flying visit, so that was nice. Um, so yeah, so thanks for your time. So the 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 aim of the Wokingham Digital Arts Festival is to bring the community together um, with various content that's related to the arts. Um, and one section of it is to interview people who are within the area and involved in the arts in some way. Um, so I really wanted to talk to you today about your you know, your part to play um, in the community and yeah. you know, how where that all sort of started from and your experiences and just kind of get to know you a little bit more. Um, okay. So so yeah, so thanks for your time. So I mean, I know that we've known each other um, quite a while now, yeah. <laughs> um, but it would be really good to sort of hear that that journey really from you. Like, what's what sparked your interest? Where did the where did where did it all start from the beginning, like, and where you are at now, I suppose? How did it all start? Um, it started really late. I didn't really do anything until I was, I was 16. Um, up until that point, I was always going to go off and be a, a footballer or something. Um, but my school, my school was putting on a production of Grease, and I auditioned, not with any intention of doing it, really, but they were holding the auditions during science class. So it seemed like a good way of bunking out of lessons, basically. So I went with a friend to audition and I had nothing prepared. I ended up singing uh, a verse of I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys and uh, didn't think anything else of it. And about a week later, the cast list went up uh, and I was cast as Danny Zuko, uh, which was obviously a shock. So I ended up doing the show and I was in the show with uh, a girl called Janine Coelho. Uh, who played Sandy and Janine was in Star Maker. So throughout the rehearsal process, kind of I got more and more into it and, and started to enjoy it a bit more. And, and then through Janine's family, uh, I got kind of pushed towards doing Star Maker. And, and again, I never really took it seriously until I was probably, we were doing Fame. I was playing Shlomo in Fame and I was kind of skipping out of rehearsals because I thought it was a bit silly and a, and a little bit, you know, it was just a bit of fun. Uh, mm. But Dave Savage, who, who was chairman of Star Maker at the time, kind of obviously saw something in me. And I remember him having a chat with me and just sort of like saying, you're pretty good. If you want to do it, commit to it. And, and I did. I kind of went away and I thought about it. And then I, I, I just got into it and I started to, to kind of practice and work really hard. And I started to learn how to dance and, and kind of sing properly and all those sort of things. So it, it was pure fluke that I fell into it. Uh, I should be I should be playing for England tonight, but it never happened. I ended up doing theatre, so I was very lucky. And it was it was just a lot of coincidences. And then my first show with Star Maker, I got cast in a role. Uh, the next couple of shows I did, um, I just kind of I learned as I went along. Really, it, it yeah. kind of was complete and utter fluke. I think the interesting thing about that is that um, you're saying it's sort of coincidence, but there were obviously you know there are choices each and every time aren't there because you someone could have seen that talent within you and said you can either commit or not so much and you could have at that point gone no like that's gonna sort of remain a, a little bit of fun and I'll, I'll focus my interests elsewhere 
Um, yeah, yeah. And like I was, I was a bit of a direct, directionless kid. You know, I, I kind of, in, I didn't really know what I was going to do after school. I went and did my A levels, but again, I, I was very good at art. I can, I can draw pretty much anything you want, but I never really knew what I wanted to go do with myself. I never knew where I was heading. You know, I kind of at that point, I think I got a job working in a garage, learning how to be a mechanic, like most people sort of like where I came from did. Um, and I just star maker through star maker and through theater, I kind of found something that actually I, I liked and more, more than liked, I loved and something I was passionate about. I didn't have that up until that point. I think I would have just gone off and worked every day and gone out at the weekends and never really had found that one thing. And, and through theater kind of like, it just totally redirected my entire life. Because I, I, I don't know where I would have ended up without it if, if I hadn't have had Dave have that kind of heart-to-heart -heart chat with me. And also, I think at that time, you know, with the exception of my parents, I can't really remember anyone outside my family ever sort of saying to me, you've got something, you've got some ability or you're talented or you're, you know, you should focus on that. And, mm -hmm. and I think that really hit home with me. It kind of made me go, oh, okay, Someone, yeah. someone's got that little bit of faith in me. So that was that was it. That was the spark. Yeah. Does that um, does that feed through now for you in terms of helping other people within this community theatre world? Because as you you know, you and I both know, the community theatre world is made up of all sorts of different people from all sorts of backgrounds. Some people are, you know, eventually hoping to go off to drama school and do this professionally. Some people are they're already have established careers and they just want to do this as a way to either meet people or gain confidence or they just they they love um theater or writers and things like that i think it's a case of the, the, the thing that you have to be with this and and i think everyone that i've worked with is is a really good judge of character and, and knowing why someone's doing a show and and kind of feeding into that so you can sit there and you know we take it all very seriously and we, we approach every show in the most professional sense but for someone like myself who wants to put on something of a certain standard or or my wife who's who's the most incredible choreographer for all those people that we know that are brilliant and want to to put on the most professional performance they can you get the person who just wants to like you say be out and have a sociable on a on a, a rehearsal night or just wants to stand at the back wearing a gingham dress and be involved and the thing is it's all inclusive to everyone it doesn't matter whether you are the danny zuko at the front singing or whether you're one of the, the pink ladies at the back it's about being involved and it, it what theater allows people to do the lives they allow to, them to live and stuff it's you know i don't know many other things that do that in all honesty mm. i don't know many other kind of hobbies or professions or anything like that which just just is so inclusive i went and i did edinburgh a couple of years ago i went up with um with a mutual friend of ours sophie spencer we went up and did lucky stiff at the fringe and i went up very late i'm 38 now so i went up and did it when i was 36 37 and i'd never done it before and obviously it's it's a young man's game edinburgh uh and when i was up there the thing that really blew me apart was regardless of whether you were one of the girls that were up there previewing six who we met or whether it was you know uh, a show like ours which was a musical whether it was a bunch of students putting on some some kind of new writing you were a performer and you were in this kind of bubble bubble's mm -hmm. a great word mm -hmm. at the moment uh, you were in this kind of little theater bubble and you were a community and i'd never experienced that that kind of 
passed me by as a kid because I never did that. I went straight into doing other things. Um, that's what theatre gives you. And I, I think that's what community theatre gives you. It allows you whatever, whatever vein of life you come from, you can come together and it doesn't matter whether you are a, uh, you know, a, a, a kid who's struggling at home or whether you are a successful businesswoman or whether you've, you're a mother of three or whatever, you all get together and you're all on even par and you're all yeah. part of something. You know, there's not many things that allow you to do that. Yeah, and the the places that um, we have in this area really kind of allow for that open access and it was such a great way. Has it been Southfield Park where you've done most of your shows or has it been another, has it been a bit of an even spread across other? Uh, certainly in the last sort of like, yeah. Southfield Park was the first proper theatre I performed in. So that would have been 1998, maybe 1999 with fame that shows my age um and i think i did you know certainly two of the best shows i've ever been in two of the best things i've ever been involved in were at south hill park but i've been lucky i've, I've done stuff all over the country uh, i had a small period of time where i tried to do it i, I did do it professionally but it, it was really hard so and i liked food and i liked kind of being able to go out and unfortunately trying to to be an actor never really paid for that sort of stuff so uh but South Park is, it's our home. It's always been my home. It's, it's the place I love to perform at most of all. It's an intimate theatre and the people there, you know, you, you go there on a Sunday or a Saturday or something and you're guaranteed to see a hundred people that you know. Like, mm -hmm. again, there's nowhere else like that. Yeah, do you have um, a particular memory or show that comes to mind at South Park that really holds a sort of special place in your heart for it? Um, I've got two, I think. Two shows that are my my absolute favourite. The first one was the last Star Maker show I did, which was Jesus Christ Superstar. Uh, I think that was like 2001. Um, I played Jesus and it was, it, it kind of was the ultimate kind of finale to, to my time at Star Maker. And it was, it was my favourite show at the time. I got myself into the best shape I've ever been in because I had to spend most of the show wearing a loincloth. Uh, vocally, I was at my best. I think I just, it was, it was like, it, it was the perfect show. And I, it was like the last one I did with all my friends at that time. Um, and it was fun. You know, Andy Smith, who was MDing it was the MD of we will rock you, I believe at the time in, in London. So we had, uh, we had the Scaramouche from London come down and, and do a part of the show because our Mary Madeline had got sick. Uh, there were loads of things like that. One night, a Roman soldier fell off stage and into the band pit. So I'm laying there. It, it was ridiculous. I was laying there in like a puddle of blood, wearing what can only be described as a nappy, um, with everyone in the cast looking. Because essentially what they did was, you know what the pit's like at South Hill Park. They'd kind of covered over half of it with a black cloth to right. keep the light from showing th through the blackouts, I guess, and stuff. And uh, as this Roman soldier went down after the 39 lashings, uh, leant down to to grab me by the hair and I had a lot of hair at the time uh, he went to grab me and he walked on this black cloth thinking it was the stage and just went and landed on I think yeah landed <laughs> on a guitarist so I've kind of leaned over the pit to have a look down because I don't know what's going to happen now we're very close to the end of the show but uh, I don't know whether we're going to carry on it made a massive kind of comedy crash the audience have all kind of stopped I peeked over thinking, okay, well, am I still getting crucified? And then like three people grabbed me and pinned me up on a cross. I thought, yeah, we are, we are. 
um, it was just, it, it, it was a great show with lots of silly moments like that. Which were wonderful. I'm just imagining now that that Roman soldier just like just stayed down there then until he's right at the end. <laughs> yeah, if I remember rightly, he, uh, he just kind of suddenly turned back up at the side of the stage because obviously he's gone through the door, come back round and walk back up. Uh, it was great. It was, it was a brilliant <laughs> moment. We had a, we had a few like that in that show. And the other, the other show, which uh, is a bit more recent, which EBOS have done in the past, a kind of a joint fundraiser with Southfield Park. So uh, I directed Into the Woods there. We did Guys and Dolls very recently. But, but you know, probably my all-time favourite show was I did Company there a couple of years ago. Uh, I got to play Bobby. And Bobby was like... Bobby was like the ultimate part I'd always wanted to play. I, I auditioned for it when I was like 21 and I was too young. And, you know, the whole point of Bobby is, is his 35th birthday. And I got to play it when I was 34. And it was like, it was just perfect. And it, it's, it's Sondheim and I'm a Sondheim nut. And yeah, every, everything about that show just kind of was, was perfect. Tim Cumper playing the piano. He's a one-man orchestra. Uh, we had probably the finest cast of musical theatre performers I've ever been involved in it was just it was the perfect show and yeah that that that's probably my top memory at Southfield Park. Yeah and there's so many other opportunities in between those those two projects where you would have been treading the same boards literally yeah. on um on that stage and everything so that's that just goes to show how kind of versatile um the spaces and you know what the the plethora of uh different roles that you would have played at oh. because obviously when the own, we've only worked <coughs> together on a couple and yeah. they've both been in studio theatre shows, I think. Um, one they was have. Phantom Mr. Ripley and the other one Norfolk's Rose. Yeah, although the first thing I would have seen you in probably was Henry. Yes, yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, like that, that shows the versatility of the stage because, Absolutely. you know, I think for Henry, you guys had it. You didn't have it in the complete round, did you? Because you, you also had the, the, the stage area. Correct. We where... sort of, yeah, it was sort of thrust, really, and then flattened out. That's right. Um, and the, there was also a video link sort of rigged up as well. So we were using yeah, I remember. in different um, sections. And that was incredible because I think I was still of an age at that age, like, bear in mind, yes, probably sort of 16, 17. But um, at that age, you can still do a little bit of kind of make make believe and pretend so when you're in yeah. the, the hype and the adrenaline of actually performing and it that was you know war and sort of running yeah. rushing around and things like that that was you know really exhilarating and very very immersive I suppose isn't but it? I think that kind of that that theatre then inspired what we did with into the woods which was we used the round you know we set up seating on the stage and we just opened the entire space up to be this kind of immersive you know the audience was sat in the woods as we told the story so mm -hmm. again, that shows where Southfield Park's so versatile where other theatres sometimes can't be. Yeah do you find um, that that excites you the way that you can transform the space in a visual sense is that is that something that you see as your uh, as a as a real niche within your kind of creativity or does it, I like does to do that. I, li I like to do that. I like the idea that when you step in, you get you get a sense that you're somewhere else. You know, one of my um one of my favourite theatres, and I'm probably going to say the wrong name now, uh, but it's uh is it is it Newbury the the watermill in Newbury? I think there. Is, yes, I think it's called the watermill. Yes. When when you go see a show in there, they've got a. It's not as big a theatre as Southwark Park, but it's something that I've tried to do there in the past. They've got um. 
quite a small auditorium and when you walk in the whole place changes victoria does it brilliantly with everything at south Park. she does where you walk in and you're in the same space you've been in in a hundred times but you just look at that stage and it's not open yet you know there's no cast on stage no drama's happening but you suddenly feel like you're in a different environment mm. i love i like that i like the idea that once you walk through those doors to go to your seat you're no longer at a theater you are wherever the the show wherever the director the cast intends you to be yeah, and, and South Hill Park has that versatility. It does. The, the Wild Theatre, you know, whether you're, you're taking seats out or moving things in, you can transform it. And because it's, it's the perfect size, you know, it's not a tiny studio theatre. It's not equally this massive grand sort of like concert hall. It is a proper intimate theatre where you still get that sense of something epic, yeah. but you never feel too far away, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I, even the... Um the black box studio theatre that they've got, that can be tweaked in various ways. I, you can keep it as a black box or you can do um, a little bit more to it. And I think, yeah, like for instance, with, I think with Norfolk's Road, we actually we built a staircase, didn't we? I don't, did you ever go up it? I don't think you needed to. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't need to, no. I, yeah, I don't, my, my memory of Norfolk's Rose is, other than laughing at the fact that I think every page was labelled 13. Was that yeah. right? <laughs> I think then I was a running uh, was, um yeah, the, the staircase I never had to go up. Uh, us trying our best to cover anything that gave out any light. So when we had a, a blackout, it was a proper blackout, certainly for the, um, for the, for the ghostly twist yeah. guess, uh, that happened. Um, and also, we, had a, we bought a vase. Uh, I don't know if you remember this. There was a vase that, that we had, which was just a bit of set dressing. And, and during one of the, 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 I think it was the last performance, so me and Luke are, are doing the kind of the climactic scene and my character starts to lose his temper a little bit. And I was, I was a bit more imposing back then. I, I think I was a little bit bigger uh, and a little bit more, um, what word am I thinking of? A little bit more rotund. Plastic. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's a good word. Uh, and I remember I was, and you know, Luke, bless Luke, he's, he's a little bit shorter than me and stuff. And I, and I was kind of pushing him and I was getting very much into his face and I was trying to be uh, very kind of uh, controlling an alpha in that time to kind of give the, the idea that this character had lost the plot a little bit. And I remember on the last night, what I really wanted to do to kind of really show my character's anger was take this vase that had been sat there the whole show and throw it against the wall and it would smash and the audience would be like oh my god uh, and i think i did i think i picked it up and i threw it and it didn't smash it just kind of bounced off the wall and sat on the floor and i was like that wasn't great yeah so don't 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 improvise in the middle of a show yeah that could, yeah i think i've definitely i've seen one uh incident with a completely different different um project in the studio theater where someone had to throw a like just a normal pot of pills behind yeah. them just to chuck them away and it hit the light switch um that turned on all the worker lights and everything so it's because oh, really? you can't you can't plan that <laughs> but it no. was ridiculous like and so then an audience member just had to you know subtly just stand up and go and turn the lights back off again it's <laughs> amazing i mean it is I've, I've only done a handful of things i think i've done obviously norfolk's rose talented mr ripley we took lucky stiff there like a month after we'd come back from edinburgh which was which was insane because i'm i spend most of the play most of the show pushing around uh, my dead uncle Anthony in a wheelchair 
<laughs> and we're trying to trying to navigate around the back and it's you know it's a tiny space around the back to get between with a cast with set and with this wheelchair it was um yeah it was it was a fun experience also i always get the creeps when i'm in the studio i i, I always maybe it's a norfolk's rose thing but i don't like being in there on my own there's a there's a there's a there's an entity there's something in there that i'm yeah yeah i think you're i i totally agree i will not um when i'm in there and i have to be there on my own then the lights are on and the door is wide open and i'm just sitting right at the front on the audience bit i won't i won't be going anywhere else um and nope. i would usually feel a little bit foolish um in that respect but there are so many people who we know who have had um various experiences yeah and and they're, and they're sort of freaked out in this in a similar sort of way so i'm i feel a little bit more justified not that i've actually seen anything but um it definitely gives off that i did there's yeah there, i've i've been in there a handful of times where it's just been me whether i've been setting something up or i've been waiting for people to turn up or something or i've been running lines and I mean, this has turned into a ghost kind of podcast now. It's okay. Uh, it's, all, well, it's October. It's Halloween. You know, Halloween. Exactly. <laughs> there, there's definitely a sense. Of, there's definitely a sense of you're not alone. Yeah. It it could just be someone sat up in the lighting box, uh, playing tricks. But yeah, yeah. There's just yeah. something about about it. I'm not. I love it. I love working in there, and I I, I think I've seen so many amazing uh, plays in there, and like you say whether it's the black box or whether someone's put in a set, it's one of the few places that you can go and see something where you, they can completely transform the entire space. Mm. Uh, I think Black Eyed Theatre about 10 years ago, maybe put on a, uh, put on a play there called the beekeeper, which was yeah. incredible. And because they built this set and it filled everything, it was like walking into the play, you know, yeah. especially the way they walk into the door. Uh, it did. It, it felt like you were walking into the, into the into the show yeah and i think that, is, that i've seen something similar as well with um there was an it was called the haunting i think that alex harvey brown was in and that's a charles dickens sort of ghost story and they did the same thing of transporting transporting that entire sort of space into that yeah. kind of creepy ghostly room with the window and everything um i would have done more with norfolk's rose but i didn't have the budget <laughs> need a budget we had we had creativity we had we had that <laughs> script what more do we need yeah so you've been um so you were rehearsing weren't you um in a social distancing uh fashion yeah. recently how how was that for you it was um and for it was an yeah it was an interesting process so we were we were due to put on chicago which was supposed to open on the 3rd of november at the wild theater um which i was directing it's you know what we we kind of went into the project fully aware of the possibility that it couldn't happen but we got as far as we could and, and you know we achieved a hell of a lot but to start off with we we held the auditions uh, digitally so we had about 100 people express an interest i think we had about 80 people in the end audition like this over zoom um so for about four or five days we were just seeing people one after the other everybody got kind of like a a time slot, which is very different to the way that EBOS normally audition, because EBOS normally is an open, uh, an open call audition where we see everyone together and it's all, you know, there's, there's transparency throughout the whole thing. So for this occasion, we had to do one-on-ones. Yeah. Um, so we, we set all that up. We then cast the show. And then for a couple of weeks, we did stuff over Zoom. And then as the, as the world seemed to start to open up again and we could go out and we could work in smaller numbers, 
we started to. So we started doing dance rehearsals outside in groups of like threes and fours, started to set scenes in twos and threes again outside. And then as we got into uh, kind of got into June, July, and again, the world just opened up that little bit more. We started to move indoors in small numbers. Then in August, we started to sing outside. Um, and, and we seemed to be going in a really good direction. Then obviously the rule of six came in and it wasn't that big an impact to us because I think, I think by the letter of the law, we were allowed to have up to like 15 people at one point, potentially up to 30, but we always kept it small groups. And we did that because whilst we're trying to put a show on, there was a, there was a great sense of uh, responsibility to the well-being and health of our cast. And we didn't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable. So we kept doing it in small numbers. It makes uh, it less disruptive doing it that way as well, isn't yeah. it? You might as well just like stick with that that method absolutely. And, and absolutely and our intention was that if we got to to show week we'd then pull everything together and kind of like a jigsaw puzzle see if it fit uh and it was working but unfortunately the latest set of guidelines they just prevented us we had a cast of 25 people plus another sort of like 12 or 13 musicians all on stage the whole time we couldn't do it and it's a shame because honestly I mean, you know, Emily Burton, Laura Thane. I mean, we had two of the most amazing women playing Roxy and Velma. I mean, it, honestly, we've, we've done a little bit since we pulled the show just to kind of, kind of record a few numbers and stuff. And you sit there and you think it's, it's a crime that, that an audience doesn't get to see them. They're, they're worth it. You know, it's, it, it deserves an audience, but mm. that's the situation. But from a, from a, from a health and well-being point of view, like none of this was a waste. I, that was the first thing that a few people asked me was like, do you regret doing it? You know, we've had five months of doing what we love in a fashion that almost replicates normality. I mean, it hasn't been completely normal, but we've been getting together, we've been learning lines, we've been creating characters and we've been doing what we adore. Yeah. And that's never a waste. Even if we don't have the end game of performing to an audience, we've still had company, we've still had time with each other. It's given people that maybe didn't have an awful lot going on, something to focus on, something positive, something that isn't related to COVID-19, you know, that, that's affected so many people. So it just gave everyone a positive outlook. Uh, and that's, that's so vital. Absolutely. I think like the people sometimes forget how enriching that, that is um, yeah. because sometimes the end goal can be something something that you focus on so much um, that you sort of you can sometimes forget to enjoy the experience of actually making it. Yeah. Um, and that can be a real, real. That's a, such a strong aspect of creativity. It's that mm. process. And it's, show weeks are great, but show weeks are show weeks have their own like little intense universe that happened it is the journey to get there that are the best moments yeah um and we we got to have that in in a yeah. weird way we got to spend time and and kind of create a show and we did we had an entire show we just we just couldn't bring it all together and and share it with the world but you know fingers crossed that this doesn't go on forever and, and we eventually can that would be yeah. amazing Southfield park were great with us when when that decision had to be made you know they 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 did their utmost to help. Unfortunately, it was just the, the situation. But yeah. yeah, nothing, nothing wasted. I think everybody's enjoyed it, and I and I'm, I know everybody would happily carry on if we could. Do you think it's um, at the moment as a as it's 
listed or within its repertoire for EBOS? Do you think it's just sort of banked until the right time again? Do you think yeah, possibly. Possibly. We'd like to think so. Um, I, you know, it's that weird, weird moment at the moment where none of us really know how long this is going to go on for. Uh, Theatres are now open, which is great. And I think smaller shows and, and things can start to be done. Kind of trying to do some things with social distancing, like you couldn't do 42nd Street that has a cast of 60 yeah. uh, and these tight little dance numbers. Um, trying to find the right things to, that can be rehearsed safely and put on stage safely, because that's the other thing is you've got to, you, you've got to bear in mind the space and everything. And, you know, singing is still a bit of a, a, a gray area with, with certain things. Um, hopefully this doesn't go on for too long. If it clears up and we can start to do things properly again, that'd be amazing. And yeah, Chicago would be top of the list because it is, it's, it's an A title. It's one of yeah. the best shows you'll, you'll ever see. And actually what was quite nice, what was quite cool was that because of social distancing, because of, of all the stuff that we had to contend with, what we ended up with was something very different to what we envisaged to be, you know, to begin with, we always saw it to be quite Chicago-y, because that's a real word, um, quite standard Chicago and, you know, very fossy and all that sort of stuff, but we couldn't make it that. So actually what we started to get was this completely unique kind of new version of Chicago because of the hand that was dealt to us. Yeah. And in many ways that just kind of made it more special. So. Yeah. That's really, yeah, really exciting. And that you might still be able to kind of incorporate that. It has unlocked, you know, that kind of new possibility as ways of working. So Yeah, and I think people are being creative now. I think in this current climate where perhaps there isn't community theatre or places like EBOS or, or tours or all that sort of stuff, they can't happen. People are kind of taking the initiative and finding their own ways of being creative, their own ways of expressing their art, you know, whether that's podcasting or or kind of recording things or creating and and that's what will get us through this you know yeah that's um that's such a lovely kind of uh, kind of tying end in terms of kind of how we can wrap up the discussion that we've been having it's such a it's it is about kind of sending everybody on their way to start keep exploring those things yeah. that's really encouraging are you are you working on anything um else sort of external to um where you, where well, you Yes. Yeah. What time is it at the moment? Actually, it's it's uh, it's, it's 22 twenty past four. <laughs> twenty past four. About twenty minutes ago. Uh, so I've been doing uh, with with some friends that I grew up with at Star Maker, uh, Ben Ashton, who you know, and uh, X Factor contestant Daniel Johnson, who does the postcode lottery. Uh, my friend Scott, Harry, uh, Tom. We've um, we, we came up with this idea about five, six years ago of doing a boy band show because that's what we did when we were younger and prettier and in shape and not so gray um, was we did boy band stuff. We were in a boy band. So we kind of thought it'd be really cool to, uh, to do kind of like a reunion show basically. Uh, and that kind of evolved. Did you, did you see the Bross documentary a few years ago? No, I didn't. Sorry. No. I'm not going to end the conversation because of that. Uh, it was, um, it was brilliant because it was a genuine documentary about Bross reforming, but because I think it's Matt Goss, he's so weird that it was hilarious, but he was being, he, you know, he was, he wasn't taking the mickey. He was being genuine. Uh, it almost became a farcical. It was almost like the office. And we saw that and we kind of thought, that's it. That's what we need. We need to make a mockumentary about this boy band that never quite made it. And 
are getting back together. So we've written this show, which is a, which is kind of like a mockumentary slash concert, which is going to be on um, next year, May next year. We've uh, we are going to be at the Kenton Theatre in Henley. Uh, so we've written this show about it, but we've been recording songs kind of whilst locked down and little bits and bobs here and there. Uh, and uh, yeah, we've, we've done really well. We've got great a great following and people seem to be really taking it in the spirit. It's meant the whole point of it is to raise money for charity. So we are, all the proceeds are going to um, Sue Ryder Foundation and Ataxia UK. Uh, so, you know, it's stroking our egos, but for a good, a good cause. Mm. Um, and yeah, we, uh, we, we've been dropping some stuff, but today we've kind of done like a mini concert because today was supposed to be the day that we were supposed to perform. Uh, and unfortunately the show had to be postponed so today being that day we decided to film like a little a little kind of couple of music videos and stuff and just pop it on youtube and then send that out to the world to watch laugh at uh criticize whatever Mm -hmm. they want pretending like we're still dancers and stuff so (laughs) yeah Things like that have been great. Things like that have been great because we can just, we, we enjoy each other's time and we, we kind of mess around with it, but it's equally, you know, it's, it's a really good creative output. Yeah, for sure. It sounds hilarious. I love that. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and check it out right now. <laughs> yeah. Drop me a text. Tell me how terrible it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh dear. <laughs> but no, that's, that sounds really fun. I'm going to check, I'm going to check that out. But that's that's brilliant thank you so much um no, it's been a pleasure times yeah like it's been it's been so good to talk to you about you know where you came from what you've been experiencing through this time and i think um it's really helped yes especially from my end sort of rejuvenated that keep that creativity going keep kind of exploring new options um and remember why you do it i think it's yeah. the, the the arts and theater have survived wars plague lord knows what so you know it will survive this it yeah. will it's, it's just going to take a little bit of um a little bit of creativity yeah effort imagination all of that Absolutely. so perfect yeah. thanks so much for that Stuart. no worries thank you for having me on board no problem i'll speak to you soon we will do take care bye bye